surgeons wear surgical masks because it stops spittle from landing in, in the open wound and potentially from preventing splash from the wound into their mouth and nose, which would just be gross, right? It was never worn to slow viral transmission. Take away those diamonds, I don't need those rocks. A second-hand car and a new pair of socks. I want liberty without conditions. Chasing Liberty welcomes Mark Changizi, um, our big guest this week, and we're very pleased to have him on board. Uh, Mark, thanks very much for joining us. How would you like to give us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, great to be here, John. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a my PhD was math, undergrad was physics, but I became a theoretical neuroscientist, kind of an evolutionary uh, uh, neurobiologist or cognitive scientist. So my shtick is 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 being one of the few theorists in the field, and uh, really the aim is always for me is to try to figure out why or what for. You know, what 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 are your pruny, wrinkly fingers for? It turns out they're rain treads optimized to so that you don't hydroplane. You know, they get wet when you need them to, and they're smooth when otherwise, um, when you don't need them to be uh, wrinkled. Um, why is your brain structured the way it is? Why do you see in color? Um, why do we, you know, primates have this uh, new red-green vision? Why do your eyes face forward? All of these sort of are engineering and design questions. How did we come to have language and music and the arts and this next book, uh, uh, unmasked um, uh, why we express emotions on the origins and, and, and the reasons we have emotional expressions, um, which is so important for, for free expression. So really it's a, a theorist, but really focusing on these sort of foundational why we're structured the way we are kinds of questions. And that brings us right into to the, the big topic at the moment. Then part of the, the whole COVID thing is the masks and why masks, because I think the science has been done to death and they don't actually do anything to to reduce any viral transmissions as such. In fact, um, I think hospital studies have shown that infections actually increase in the patient when surgeons wear masks, which is pretty incredible. You're looking at it from the point of view of they're, they're hiding our expressions and therefore they're making us behave completely differently. Um, I, I picked that up from maybe one of your science moments on YouTube. Yeah. Would you like yeah, to, I mean, to I mean, take us into some depth on that? I certainly, I, tr I try to focus on my science moments and a lot of my stuff on, on some of the stuff that other folks aren't saying. So some of the obvious stuff first, before we get into the sort of the less of, the obvious stuff is just, it never even was worn by surgeons. You know, historically, surgeons wear surgical masks because it stops spittle from landing in, in the open wound and potentially from preventing splash from the wound to their mouth and nose, which would just be gross, right? It was never worn to slow viral transmission. But I think there's something about surgeons, you know, there's this God complex that they have. And we, if we know any surgeons, you know, they have a God complex and then people treat them like a God. And yeah. so if surgeons do it, it must be um, holier than thou and we should do it. Never mind the fact that it wasn't even for a virus. So even on its face, the, one of the main reasons I think that people want to do it is because they feel like uh, 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 it's ultimately the surgeons do it. So why not? Um, and then all of the RCTs, all the randomized controlled trials have for years shown that it doesn't slow viruses, doesn't show, slow flu. And, and the same and there's no reason to even do it because it's the same exact 
mechanisms. Um, viral, these are spread by aerosols, which is like smoke through the air, and they're breathed into your lungs. That's how it doesn't, it's not spread by fomites. It's not spread by someone spitting even into your mouth. It's going to be infect you, not by sitting on your skin. It's going to infect you by getting into your lungs, uh, deep into your lungs, and maybe 1% into the mucosa of the eye. Some of these really you know, wet spots that could potentially go directly in. So it never made, made sense, even on its face, so to speak, face mask, um, that it would potentially work because the aerosols go right through and they jet out the gaps. And um, and this is, so it shouldn't even narrowly work and it doesn't even narrowly work. And there's tremendous um, harms, including the obvious cardiovascular ones um, and uh, the rashes and all the kinds of things that happen to your face. And then one of the first when I finally switched my science moment into sort of COVID season, 30 or so science moments ago on YouTube, the first one was about uh, falls. And most people don't consciously realize that when you move around in your far periphery, in your far lower periphery, for example, your own cheeks actually are in your far periphery. You don't consciously see your far, far periphery, but it's there. This is why football players, American football players, they put the black uh, uh, paint around, yeah. you know, on their eyes. It's because it's in their visual field and then there's getting reflection from the sun right into their eyes by putting black there it's reducing the amount of reflection off of their off their cheeks so you're not consciously aware that you're seeing your nose and your cheeks but it's there and so you're also seeing just the ground uh, below you know all the way down to the ground even seeing your feet come in and out of your visual field and these visual motor feedback is what guides you and allows you to be the sort of brilliantly acrobatic apes that we are you start covering that up because at first you might say, well, masks shouldn't cover that up. No, it does. When you actually put a mask, even if you're pretty good about making it tight, which few people are, it still is blocking the lower 20 or 30 percent of your visual field. Um, and that's exactly the parts that you need to see the, un, you know, first of all, just to navigate your own behavior, even if there's not anything complex in front of you. But if there's curbs and any kind of interesting thing, um, you're going to be much uh, mm -hmm. less able to handle that. And especially folks who are older and you know, oh. not in perfect form. All the steps of Air Force One. Or the steps of Air Force One, just, you know, so two weeks ago or, or last week, Biden fell three times and we can complain the fact that, well, he's already not, you know, in, in his best shape of his life because he's an older guy. But, you know, that in some sense wasn't even his fault. Well, I mean, it was his fault for wearing it up the steps. Why is he even wearing it? You know, he's doing that for symbolism of some kind. But he fell because he can't see, he can't see below. So he's, he's being handicapped in that sense. And most folks, you know, when, when an older person falls... You know, you or I might be able to fall 100 times a day. We're going to be fine. Just scratches it. A whole person falls. That's the beginning of the end. Often folks with comorbidities. I remember once as a kid, not a kid. I was 20 years old or something. And this old lady had fallen just on the sidewalk taking a walk. And it didn't look like a big deal. But I walked up and, I mean, her skin had just sloughed off on her knee, like the knees. Like just the firmness that you expect when you're young isn't there anymore. And, you know, she was on her way to the hospital yeah. just from that because there's so much skin gone. And once you're in the hospital, she can get a UTI like nothing. And then she, once she gets a UTI, the body has all of these consequences and boom, they can, they can be gone. So these falls are a big deal. Falls kill 600,000 people per year worldwide. And there's several million uh, people that have to go to the hospital by virtue of falls. So and these, no one's measuring that the number of increased or enhanced uh, uh, fall injuries on the basis of these lower uh, the, the, what masks are doing and most people when they fall when they're wearing a mask they just attribute it to their own clumsiness right they just say oh that's so stupid they have no idea these are really not consciously accessible um, uh, events they have no idea why it happened so that was just you know there's so those are just some of the harms but there's all of these psychosocial harms and let me just pause before i, I was going to mention you know nakedness and private parts is sort of the next thing but let me just just pause to make sure uh, see if you have any follow-up questions in that area. 
No, no, you carry on there. You, it's yeah. uh, it's also it's all making sense to me, um, I'm, and I'm sure it's making sense to to most yeah. other people. I've got half a brain. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm I'm half Iranian. My dad is from Iran. My wife is from Iran. And one of the reasons you know you know the women in Iran have to wear hijab, and it's a you know you've got Karens on the street for their last forty years who are basically enforcing these rules for uh, covering their hair. If, if a little lock of curl comes down, there will be ladies on the street or men on the street, which will just be attacking you to put your hijab on properly. Right. And this was, so here we got, you know, my wife in this country and now they're, they're the same stuff has happened. The same Karen's on the street attacking you for cult like reasons. And now uh, it seems to be more scientific because it really is a virus. Whereas there, you're 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 acting like an infectious bad person who can infect the culture if you're if you're not being a good woman, and that's all metaphor. Here, it's sort of semi true because it really is a virus, but it's all bullcrap in both cases. So the dangers about these things is once they start, and once you have the idea that in in, in the case of Iran, that women should should this moral should have their hair covered and other parts of their bodies and so forth, you know, covered in various ways. Once, and that means that hair out in public is naked. That's now a private part, right? And once you have private parts, the notion of a private part is different than other sorts of things. Same like curse words. These are taboo things that are treated by your brain in a very different way. I can be without a shirt on at the boardwalk, but as soon as I go into the restaurant adjacent to the boardwalk at the beach, I have to have my shirt on. And like, Suddenly, it's really, really bad, and everybody's going to stare, even though two yards away on the boardwalk, it might have been totally fine. So these things are very contextual as well. And so we have now a world where people feel naked without their face mask. And it's, of course, maybe in certain circumstances, they're fine once they sat down at the table. But when you're standing up waiting, uh, you're at the grocery store, and you don't have it on, you just feel – you. even though I've been against this at the beginning, I feel ashamed. I feel the eyes on me. And it's very hard for humans to buck that, even if you're allowed to do it by law. When everybody around you uh, is demanding it in a virtuous way, in a, in a judgy way, it's very hard to turn that off. And uh, that the worry is that now that we have a new kind of private part, your face, in the wrong circumstances, um, it's not easy to go back. Uh, 40 years later, again, in Iran, it's still this way. And it didn't start off that way. It started off that way slowly, just saying, no, women, when the revolution happened, the proper re revolution with guns happened. You know, yeah. cultural the cultural parts of it happened much more slowly. And initially, it was like, oh, no, it's just going to be in government buildings that women have to wear hijab. And then soon it sort of spread and spread, and then society then started enforcing it themselves. And 40 years later, it's 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 still with them, and it's not clear Um uh, how long it you know it, whether it's going to be another another generation, so that's the other danger, another kind of so psychosocial yeah. danger of this. Yeah. So that that isn't boding well for the situation that we're in just now, where masks have been implemented, you know, during last summer, and and they haven't been let go, um, apart from a few American states, which actually seem to be taking the lead, but the rest of Europe and the UK, they're still embracing their face masks, and they're talking about needing these for. Until maybe even next year. Yeah, no, it's a, and in yeah, all these projections of until next year, because so many people will be, they come up with some rational argument so that by such and such time, of course, we won't need face backs. But what these kind of rational arguments, scientific arguments, aren't what's driving this. What's driving this is all psychosocial, mass hysteria, mass delusions, new kinds of taboos, social narratives, which now have gotten built in within these communities, which can't get unbuilt. They, they're really hard to turn back. And so if you have a really a new private part, namely a naked face 
in certain circumstances, you know, it, it's just like us deciding that, okay, now um, women are allowed to go topless. In fact, there's many states in the United States and cities where women are allowed to go topless. It used to be illegal, and then feminists came along and says, that's bullcrap. It should be legal. And so they made it legal. And you know the number of women that are walking around topless in any of these cities? None, ever. You know, like zero, right? Because they, they no one yeah. is going to They've all grown up feeling in their bones that it's wrong. And so it's just not going to happen outside of a few rare, you know, uh, you know, protest events or something like this. And the same thing can happen yep. and as ha- has happened with masks. So no amount of rationality. Uh, I mean, no, there's no amount of rationality that that justifies why women can't be topless at in these circumstances either. It's not, you know, it's not some kind of it's for their health or, you know, you know, you could to the extent that you can make an argument would be Islamic sort of sort of, sorts of kinds of arguments. Uh, there are no arguments. At least the problem with masks is that not only is it virtuous in a private part and has all the normal taboo stuff that's going on for the other stuff, but it has the faux scientific side, too, that comes along with it. It, it feels at the end of the day like I'm a surgeon and I'm really clean, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. It feels like so I think this is these, these things are going to last a, a long time. I wish I could tell you it's going to last two years or 10 years or gen, a generation, but I suspect it's going to last a lot, a lot longer. And it's going to, and, um, and I, I'm, you know, the kind of, my research direction is now in free X, free expression group. This new, we launched a couple of weeks ago is really about understanding and researching free expression from the kinds of frameworks that I've been building over the last 10 years on how of the, how social networks and reputation networks work based on sort of the emotional expressions, the way we social animals evolved. I wish the hope is to build a sufficiently rich, uh, uh, framework so that we can actually make qualitative predictions about whether to expect this is going to be, you know, a short term or a medium term or a long term thing we're stuck with. That's the kinds of yeah. stuff we're searching at FreeX. The other thing that really bugs me is the fact that it's changing the way that we deal with people because you can't see their expressions. You're not picking up unconscious cues. So you're not understanding if people are understanding you or not, because all you've got to look at when you're speaking to people with masks is their eyes, and you're not yep. really getting anything from the, the rest of their face at all. So it seems to be that it's very difficult to have proper communication, and, and that's going to ultimately be a pretty poor thing for, for us, which are ultimately social animals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there are two sides of that. I mean, even if I was here on the program, and or you know, imagine I'm not even being interviewed by you, and I'm, it's just a one-directional me to others, so there's not even a back and forth. If I suddenly turn off my emotional expressions, I become completely uninteresting to listen to. You can't tell which parts of the conversation are stuff that I'm confident and about that you should pay attention to versus the other parts, which are just bullshit. There's no way to distinct, you know, the all of the what makes an orator a good orator is on the basis of conveying the right level, certain confidence about certain kinds of propositions and other ones they're less sure about. And they show that by not saying that. Oh, and I'm, you know, I have a P less than 0.01, you know, uh, significance about this statement that I may know. They do this in the manner in which they, they express, emotionally express that portion of the sentence or that sentence within that paragraph. And um, that's how we believe what, that's how we come to, to that's, you know, that's what every scientific paper has confidence levels associated with it. When you're saying that, you know, uh, you know, I, here's this proposition that I've shown to be true on the basis of my data. And it, it, the data suggests it's true with this much confidence or whatever, you know, supports it with, with this much confidence. We do this as social animals uh, by emotional expressions instead. Uh, we say, I'm this confident or I'm yep. this, uh, not confident. And we do this by betting, we're betting, betting social capital. If I say, John, you know, do you have any idea who I am? 
and you don't know what the heck you're talking about. I, I've shoved in a lot of social reputation chips into the table. And if it turns out that I'm wrong later, you're going to gain a lot of chips and I'm going to lose. And what are these chips? These are the fact that other people are listening. The, the, the social community is listening. They'll gossip about it later. And they realize that Mark is, you know, he's always saying shit and he's always wrong. And people get to know that about me and I have a low reputation. That's how these things work. But the other part of the conversation was that the other thing that you mentioned was that when two people are in an active back and forth conversation rather than just you know amplifying it to the crowd all the time these all of these subtle cues back and forth that can say okay you know that i'm ready to speak now or on what you just said and and i, and I say get like i i acknowledge what you just said and i'm going to respond to all of these subtle back and forths that are happening with our faces all the time that keep the that I'm engaged with you right now. I'm locked into what you're saying and we're locked together in this kind of back and forth channel. And we use our emotional expressions to do that. I get what you said and here's what I'm going to say back. And, and understanding emotional expressions, how they do that is what allows us to sort of behave not like trolls with one another and to actually really be in a dynamic mm -hmm. conversation rather than just uh, hitting you over the head, which is what's wrong with, I mean, this gets back to social. One thing that you find in social media where people act like trolls, you could say, Maybe people are acting like trolls because of the anonymity, but I don't think it's because of the, you know, mm -hmm. being anonymous. And there's two arguments for that. One, in real life, most of the people, you know, we're not in the tribes anymore where you know everybody. Most of the people you interact with at the grocery stores and you walk, you know, you have these small interactions with, you're quite nice to them and they're quite nice to you, right? Your emotional expressions are showing yeah. historically pre-mask. Pre um, so, and I'm, you know, those are anonymous interactions and they're perfectly not troll-like. And then another on the other side of the coin, you have Facebook, where you pretty much know everybody on Facebook. If you either your friends or your family or your family's friend, you know, very relatively close, and everybody's a dick to one. <laughs> I mean, they're really troll-like yeah. in those environments, in the comment sections. They're they're worse if, if you ask me than Twitter. What makes it yeah. um, not work in both cases is not what makes people troll-like online is not because of anonymity. In fact, you find a lot of anonymous actors that have built up you know, large numbers of followers and, and they're anonymous, but they want to preserve their followers. And so they really care about um, preserving their reputation. The reason that it doesn't work is because the emotional expressions are hampered or non-existent. And social media is trying to do it. They give you the like, basically saying, I like you or like, like I pr I'm approving you. And they're trying to get, you know, happy and, and sad and different kinds of, uh, you know, emotional reactions. But that's, that's just a pair, you know, a slight you know, just almost nothing, 1% of what you need to have the true emotional expressive back and forths that happen in normal life that can make us uh, act like we should and, and not uh, just be trolls shoving in uh, chips, which are fake chips because no one's even paying. You know, the problem is that you can you can shove in all of these chips and, and be a trash talker and no one gets held account for it like you would in a social environment where people really do keep track of these things. So the, the, the entire social, the emotional expressions and the reputation networks that are that they undergird are all wrecked in social media, which is one big reason for why 2020's mass hysteria happened, right? We had, the, you know, social media, you know, covers the entire earth. It's one big low network diameter uh, thing. And when fear and fear of infection happened, then it's, you know, it's one thing if, if Thailand or Portugal all get bent out of shape and have some mass delusion, but now is the whole world all at once uh, you know, people freaked out by media, which is then freaking out politicians, which are freaking out the people, which are freaking out the intellectuals. And then they're all big positive feedback loop. And uh, since the decentralized reputation me you know, mechanisms aren't working right, um, this just, just uh, has a positive feedback out of control. 
And so that's what led to the mass hysteria, mass delusions that we're still stuck with this sort of these new kinds of narratives, which are completely false, but, um, and has also now led to new kinds of uh, censorship, you know, top down from, from big tech, which is uh, even worse. Do you think the governments and big tech and the, and the big corporations have taken advantage of this situation? Because earlier, um, earlier on last year, some people like yourself were actually trying to calm people down, whereas the governments seem to be ramping up the fear. One would have thought in a normal pandemic, people in, in positions of power would be trying to, to take some of the sting away with it and say it's not going to be that bad. You know, don't worry too much. Whereas the government seems to have done the exact opposite. They seem to have ramped up and then they've kept the foot on the gas all year. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's two reasons for it. One is there's CYA, cover your own ass kinds of uh, uh, incentives for a politician is always to uh, look like you're doing something uh, be you know they'd rather be on the side of having done too much than on the side of having done too little. That's always in their mind. I want to. I don't want to look like I did too little. They're going to blame me. I want to look like I tried even harder. To say. And of course, it doesn't actually make sense because doing too much on one side is always because there's economic trade-offs. You're actually then you know doing too little on the other side, and so people are getting hurt. But nevertheless, optics-wise, they can package it that way and look like they just. Well, I just did a little bit too much. Uh, and that was just because they cared too much, right? So there's always that asymmetry in their uh, their optics. But I, but and, and I think that's you know at least half of it, or so, you know some portion of it. But the other was that I think a lot of them really were just freaked out. They're getting their information from journalists, you know, um, and journalists were really freaked out. And journalists were freaked out because they were getting their information from academic intellectuals who were freaked out, and they were freaked out by politicians who were freaked out in this big loop. When and this is a lot of the folks that yeah. are on my side of the COVID skepticism, uh, you know, they're, they're not folks who uh, have spent their you know life dealing with emergent phenomena, with natural selection, with large scale, you know, networks of things where you end up with design because things are selected for. These are complicated things. And so instead, they're always trying to say that this was all planned in advance. China did this in advance. It was like some master plan. We shall hereby, you know, weld our people to you know the sidewalks and w- weld them into their homes and then the west will want to do this like none of that makes sense to me but uh or that you know bill gates was purposely had this in the books that he was going to make this happen they want to see a designer that explains all of these uh fantastic in the in the you know spider-man fantastic sense like unbelievable events that have been happening over the last year they want to see a designer that did this on purpose whereas there's certainly a lot of bad actors once it started that are like look given this stuff is happening let's leverage it and let's get we can get well look you know there's more money in for us and amazon and there's one if i was amazon what would you do suddenly all the other businesses are put out of business well you yeah you, you just start you fill up all the gaps and they can barely blame them in some sense so and there's a lot of companies that are a lot of forces that are, are taking advantage of this but that's very different from uh, uh, uh having some mastermind that made this happen in advance it started through basically as you're saying, you know, the the government got scared because sitting here in the UK at one point, it looked like we were going to be Sweden because Boris Johnson was quite adamant. Everything was going to be okay. We were going to ride it out. They were going to, they're looking at the data. It wasn't that bad. And then within two or three days, we had Professor Ferguson's model and, and that I think terrified them. And the next thing we know, Bang, we're in a lockdown like the rest of the world, and and we lost the opportunity to be, you know, 
to follow the Swedish example. And I think the only reason the only reason that Sweden seems to have escaped is that one, the legal system gives the power to the guy who is the epidemiologist. Can't say it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, Anderson. Yeah, Anderson have the power. Yeah. Yeah, and, and well, and I think the way he would describe it is that he didn't have the power. The constitutionally, he had no power to close down businesses and to shut down and to enforce yeah. these sorts of interventions. Um, he, if he had had that power, the political pressure on him would have been so strong as it was on 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 Boris Johnson. Uh, you know, it, I'm you're I'm not an insider to UK politics, and it's it's a it, but it certainly seemed like you're saying they were. They were saying, look, you got to calm down doing what you should do in any movie like, you know, Batman movie. And when Gotham is ready to freak out, they said, let's calm down, everybody, um, which is one of the first rules that you'd think of being a politician. But I my impression is that there was so many frightened journalists and so many frightened intellectuals and academics and, and the populace within the UK that was ready to, to rip his lungs out because they believed it was the most dangerous thing ever. And so he. Um, he either came to believe them because all of his own, you know, sources. So you believe what other your high reputation people around you believe. That's ultimately why you believe what you believe. So either yeah. he changed his belief, or he was just too worried politically about you know losing everything or getting strung up because they were so freaked out that he had to change. But it does seem like he truly believes it. At some point, it was like he became you know a member of the cult as well. I don't think it doesn't look like he's mm -hmm. faking yeah. me. And this is the other party. People always think no, that they look. He looks really believing it. These are not mustache twiddling folks that are doing a scheming. Like no, they, they they do evil often because they really believe it's it's the safe and right thing for you. You know, uh, that's what makes yeah. all of this stuff scary. Actually, moving on to the to the vaccine, uh, which are the vaccines which have appeared uh, in very short time compared to previous years and previous attempts at making vaccines. So we now have, you know, I think four or five vaccines at the moment that are effectively all meant to have an efficacy of around, you know, 80, 90%. Um, and they've all appeared within the last year. I'm not saying it's, um, I'm not saying it's a planned thing or anything like that, but there does seem to be an awful lot of, what would you say? It's, it's very convenient for these for the, all these companies to have come out with vaccines that are apparently working so well. Now, the question is, are the vaccines actually working that well? Because if you look at VAERS and, you know, record of uh, vaccine injuries and deaths in, in the yellow card system in the UK and in the rest of Europe, the numbers are actually starting to stack up till they're getting to quite high proportions. I think the last one I saw for Europe was 4,000 deaths, which is quite high considering yeah. they don't have a high uptake of the vaccine. What's yeah. uh, any thoughts on, on the vaccines? Yeah. I mean, I certainly have no expertise on, on term, you know, vaccine physiology or, and, and molecular biology, but I, it, the degree to which these have been rushed through and forced upon a population, most of whom are already ha not even having had COVID are already at an 85% chance of probably having no symptoms if they get it. Which means it's as if the average person who hasn't even gotten COVID is already walking around with a, with a, you know, just a vaccine based on, and it depends where you're in the world. In the Southeast Asia, it looks like they already probably had a, probably had earlier COVID back in 2019. They all, or some, they had other coronaviruses that yeah. gave them better immunity, 
And so they're walking around with even a higher uh, prey immunity that gives them maybe 90%. I'm you know, just throwing out numbers. Whereas in the West, it might be 80% that you're yeah. walking around and even in the absence of. And most people here that, I mean, that I know have already gotten. And once you've gotten it, you, you, should, you probably have immunity that's uh, you're probably protected even better than any vaccine and for longer. So why you would do this, and especially for something that for if you're under 70 is uh, is similar or much safer than the flu, uh, blows my mind. It, 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 this is even if there are no risks, right? This is in the absence of any risks, given that yeah. to the vaccine, given yeah. that the vaccine was rushed. Um, who knows what kinds of risks? I'm not in any position to really uh, to know what those risks might be. But even at a minimum, we know that even if there are no actual risks, um, even if there were no actual risks, you still suffer from two days to a week of discomfort. Why the heck would I suffer for no positive reason two days to a week of, of discomfort? Uh, without you know, wh what's the argument for that? Even if there's no other kinds of uh, long-term effects yeah. from it. So this is again. Yeah, this, and, this and the one you see, the, the one you see all the time on Twitter and, and social media is, what about yellow fever? Well, yellow yellow fever has a fifty percent death rate, so it makes absolute sense to take a vaccine against yellow fever. But yeah. for a for a, a a respiratory disease that is looking like something like 0.3 at worst. What's the point? Yeah. As you said, there's no point in taking the vaccine for that. Especially since it's already made the rounds. It's already made the rounds for two seasons, at, le at least two winter seasons yeah. in, in all parts of the world. Yeah. Talking about the world, that's actually quite interesting because when we look at Oceania, so if we look at Japan, all the way down through China, Southeast Asia, and into Indonesia and Australia and New Zealand, their death rate from COVID is is minuscule compared to the rest of the world. So right. the question is, did they have it the year before? And it right. was just picked up as a flu and they've developed yeah. an, an immunity to it. Because, yeah. you know, theirs is something like 30 per million, whereas the rest of the world, it's like 900 per million. So there's a massive disparity between right. the death rate in Oceania and the rest of the world. Yeah. And th this is one of these... There's so many cognitive biases and sort of, you know, messed up things that humans do. And one of them is, you know, is that so Australians and New Zealands and many people all over the world will say, well, it it worked in Australia. Lockdowns worked in Australia and in New Zealand. Yeah. And the, pro the reason that it's a kind of a, a, an error, a cognitive uh, bias is that you'll say to them, look, it's independent of where you are in Oceania and Southeast Asia. There's all of these, all the variations in intervention stringency, and there's no correlation between that and actual pandemic severity across all of that region, right? And then you'll say even much more generally exactly. across all of the earth, there's no correlation between intervention severity and uh, pandemic severity. Uh, so that means there's, you're not getting any benefit from lockdowns and the other interventions. And then their response will be, so I'll, you know, I'll say, so lockdowns don't work. Interventions don't work, because they, but they worked in, in Australia and New Zealand. So after all of this, I'll still say, but they worked in New Zealand and Australia. If you do it right, like, no, you're missing the point. You, it, that's how you show whether something worked and whether they didn't work. And their, their response yeah. is still like, well, it, but it worked here. And and so it's, it, there's this feeling, and I don't know how to, sh to shake them out of it. You can't shake them out. They just They think that they worked here because they worked here. And any evidence elsewhere that they haven't worked overall – is too bad because they worked here. This is sort of magic stick waving kind of behavior um, that you you know mistakenly attribute uh, something but to, to the shaking of your magic stick. Is it, is it, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Um, go on. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. 
Yeah, so we're in separate uh, parts of the Earth, which is why there's this three-second delay between, which is, again, this is exactly, because there's a three-second delay, the emotional expressions that we're doing, we're actually seeing each other, because uh, we've got the zoom on or whatever, but it's all delayed, and so it's completely messing up the transitions between us, which, of course, um, is effectively yeah. what happens when you have masks on, but for sort of, you know, distinct uh, reasons. But let me just, the other kind of bias, cognitive bias or cognitive mistake that people make on both sides of this argument is that someone will say um, lockdowns have killed, let's say, 200,000 people. And, 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 and worldwide, there's all of these, you know, tuberculosis deaths, malaria deaths, all the developing world is having all of these enhanced deaths. Let's just suppose someone says, look, 200,000 people in the United States look to have died by virtue of lockdowns through lack of care, through uh, uh, not uh, standard practice medicine back in March and April. And, you know, and all, here's 200,000. And then they'll say, yeah, but still the number of deaths from COVID and, you know, it's of course with COVID rather than of COVID, but let's set that aside. There's 500,000 yeah. deaths from COVID. So that's bigger than the 200,000 from lockdowns. Okay. Yeah. And so that first, some people say, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good argument. It's that's still small compared to the number of COVID deaths. And a lot of people on my side will say, yeah, that is kind of small compared to the, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The question is how many people did the intervention save? Right. That's all that matters. If the interventions have killed one person and the interventions didn't, in fact, save anybody, they don't slow the virus, then the interventions just are do no, doing nothing except for hurting people and wrecking the economy. And I don't know, every time it just constantly what it, it goes on there, just, you know, another tweet that I saw today, the person saying still those numbers are small compared to the number that have died of covid. Like, no, but the interventions aren't saving anybody from covid. So it's just like. They're just there's just no reason to compare those numbers at all. And I and I there's some and I haven't exactly identified what name, you know, psychology has all of these names, you know, 100 different kind of cognitive biases. But it's it's a deep one. So and it affects both sides of the argument. Yeah. I had a very similar one today as well. Um, somebody somebody posted something about Sweden and then someone had jumped in with. Yeah. But how did their neighbors do? You know, I, Finland and Norway. Yeah. Yeah. And Finland and Norway are not. They're not comparable to Sweden on a number of counts. One, Sweden has very big care homes that they decanted people from their hospitals into at the start of this, which is almost exactly what we did in the UK as well. Mm -hmm. And we ended up with a large amount of care home deaths. Secondly, Finland and Norway never, never exhibit a sinusoidal uh, respiratory disease curve. They're all, nearly always flat. They don't have a flu season as such. Whereas Sweden does, Sweden always has a flu season. So again, these aren't these aren't countries that one should be comparing. Um, but as you said, people are jumping on and they're going, yeah, but what about their neighbours? Their neighbours did brilliantly. So I've always tried to steer people towards Scotland because Scotland and Sweden are very similar in in their geographic area and their uh, population density. And when you look at Scotland, it's about had half the amount of people die that died in Sweden. But Scotland is half the population of Sweden, so it all ties up. Mm -hmm. Scotland did a really strict lockdown. Sweden, absolutely nothing. Or very, very little interventions. Yeah, and, and the best comparison for Sweden is Sweden. Sweden over the last five years. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and, and there's just there's it's just a big nothing burger. Nothing basically is to be said about what happened there. And uh, the folks that want to just compare with only Finland and Norway are just trying to cherry pick the ones that to make their case look good. Yeah. So moving on, um, the 
the ship in the Suez Canal. That's the big thing that the the media are talking about just now, and I, I believe they've just managed to get it cleared. Yeah. So coincidence and nothing. Uh, I mean, I I can't I can't see any real reason for anyone other than to try and price hike. But you you don't need to when you've already got you know the market has the market's already under control. I don't see the the need to put a ship across the, the canal for any reason other than an unfortunate accident. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I haven't followed the conspiracy theories, but I did notice that there was, there were certain conspiracy theories floating around. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, you know, so I don't, don't take any of those conspiracy theories with it, even, even for a moment. I just get stressed out imagining being the Japanese ship captain and the pressure. I don't think it was his fault as far as I could tell, but just... The pressure in that situation would be enough to kill any man, any woman. You know, there's just even if it's not his fault, especially if it is his fault. But even if it's not, he's just the whole world is just looking at him. Uh, yeah, uh, fantastic. Thanks very much, Mark, for your time. Oh, thank you. All right, great, John. Thank you very much. That's and, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, see, see you Thanks, on Twitter. Mark. Well, there you go. That was the end of the first episode of Chasing Liberty. Great chat with Mark Changizi, where you'll be able to find on at Mark Changizi on Twitter. He has his free expression group, which is freex.group on the web. And you can also get him on YouTube, where he does science moments. Uh, Well worth a a look. So I'll wind it up here for this week and look forward to seeing you soon. Bye. Stay up late, but I won't walk your line. I want liberty.
liberty without conditions Work on the docks or down a hole Come out at night and pray for your soul I want liberty without conditions I want liberty on my conditions Diamonds out underneath those rocks A second hand car and a new pair of socks I want liberty without conditions Roll up the carpet from the floor I don't want to be your prisoner no more I want liberty without conditions I want liberty on my Conditions